episode sponsored by tea? This episode sponsored by Lipton. episode of catch your life i try to like sometimes clean it up a little when i like lecture to universities <laughs> um but since this is a podcast fuck it yeah, um, there we go. yeah in the late 90s i became a phone sex operator we had to watch so much porn i watched so much porn um i learned about bdsm i learned about all sorts of different sort of non-normative sex practices and I started, um, I was homeless when I was like a teenager and I actually started, I started my sex worker career as survival sex work. But yeah, I've been shadow banned for a while, whatever. That must mean I'm doing something right. This abusive, shitty guy who was working with full service workers was going between Boston, Philly and New York. And he was um, raping. So you said in the beginning, like starting off, I think when you were 18, you said you were homeless and to now you have six figures, you're making six figures. So what's your secret? How did you keep saying? What is your secret? What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Catch Your Life. I'm Casey, a queer person of color who happens to model and is extremely into fitness and mental health awareness. Today, I am here with my co-hosts, Michelle and Reese. Hey, guys. My name is Michelle. I'm a black person who cares about black people and all things that affect us. Yes, and I'm Reese, hyped up Reese. I'm a DJ. I'm a uh, you know no label. Shout out to no label. Shout out. Say shout out. <laughs> <laughs> no, house, no label. Yeah, but I just care about black people and the you know stuff that affect us. So, Do you yeah. want to talk about the no labels event coming up? Oh no yeah. Label event. Okay, so yeah, on December twenty eighth, that's um on a Saturday, we're having a hype house party from ten p.m. to two a.m. It's basically a creative showcase and a creative freestyle. Just pull up. You know, we're going to have drinks there. It's going to be a vibe. We're going to have installations there. So, you know, just be ready. We're going to have the panel here. We're bringing Catch Your Life to the Hype House. No label. I think we need another fucking hour, bro. You think we should start at 9 p.m.? We should. Let's do it. I really, because I got about, like, 511 niggas in my phone I'm trying to add to the damn alright go ahead yo, I, I got another flyer to send you okay, I'm not gonna play yo we getting this <laughs> shit done that is gonna be real you guys are here yo. y'all gotta be there I can't wait to see y'all so we're gonna get into our event session our event session is where we weigh in or we talk about what's been happening to us last week or this week who wants to start what happened last week what happened oh Art Basel was last weekend you went to Miami did I go to... No. That wasn't last week. That weekend. was no, the that Christmas was too, party. Yeah, we talked about that Two last weekend. Oh, Christmas we ha- party. Yeah, we haven't seen each other in a minute, have we? Mm-hmm. Who's here last Tuesday? Okay. We were. A lot. So we had a Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went to a Christmas party, and we actually had a good-ass motherfucking time. It was very cute. It was very I cute. I loved the gifts I got. I got a new hat and a new fanny pack by Mimi. She cute. You wore it, like, as soon as you got it. Happy, thank you, Mimi. So for everybody, <laughs> happy birthday, Mimi. everyone listening, we did a secret yeah. Santa. So I don't know if you know what a secret Santa is, but we get gifts from a list anonymously. And we all had one person. Well, I didn't. I wasn't even supposed to be there. So I didn't get a gift. <laughs> I came there unexpectedly. 
And yeah, so everybody got a gift and Reese wore hers right away. Literally, I took my old scully off and put my new hat on. <laughs> Literally, that shit. You know what's crazy? I lost my scully mm-hmm. and I thought like Casey picked up mine on accident because there was like a dusty one that was left in the <laughs> corner that was, and I was like, do you have a scully? Or oh, a black black and he's like, no, I don't have one. So I'm like, okay, he couldn't have it because there's nothing to swap it out with. My scully was in a gift bag. I took the gifts out of the bag <laughs> and put my old scully in the gift bag, left the gift bag in New York. With your high ass. With your high ass. High ass shit, Zooty. Put the dusty scully in the bag. Like, literally. Put the scully. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, I ain't got nothing to really say. I've been trying to meet up with this girl, but she hasn't been. uh, It's the same science teacher. Oh, Oh, God. Will I ever see her? Find out on next week's episode. (laughs) Of Catch Your Life. Of Catch Your Life. But what's going on? Yeah, where you guys at right now? Yeah, what's going on? She, she do what though. she want when she popping. I guess Ooh. like that's what that's what she happened. off at three. Period. So. Exactly. So what you doing, Jordy? <laughs> like it's so it's okay though because I got I got a couple people on my phone. Okay, this phone is hot. Mm-hmm. This phone is ready. Okay. But I am just I've been working a lot, yo. We've so been working really hard on the hype house. It's crazy. It's like a trifecta. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Reese texted me the other day talking about you know I'm going crazy. I got one slipper on. I got. I said damn. My, my wig is on the chair. I'm out of the wig. I saw on your Instagram story it was like where's Reese's wig and it was just your wig with the hat on. <laughs> no, where's Reese? That's what you said. You're like where's Reese? I'm oh like what's going on? I was separated. Like I couldn't. <laughs> Life was <laughs> life was crazy. My bottom lip was dry. Everything was. I had noodles that was overcooked for for eighty hours while I was doing my final. I was like, oh my god! Oh, those finals be free. Yeah, I had to literally do so many papers and so many tests last night because I neglected it the previous week. Right. That's how it be. Went to Florida. Yeah. That's me venting. <laughs> Ain't doing that was your vent. Let me see what happened. But yo, that really happened. Um, I did get my shots for Nigeria today, so hey. I know since I'm going to Africa, I guess they make me take a yellow fever shot and a typhoid shot. I guess, I guess they the stigma. I digress. Um, but it's not stigma. It's true. I mean, most yeah, it's your um, what is it? Your risk increase, whatever. So um, I have to get a yellow fever shot and a typhoid shot. So typhoid is like you can get contaminated, like. Food contamination, water contamination, you can get um, this disease. And then yellow fever, I don't even, I thought that was eradicated, but I digress. Uh, but yeah, it was, it cost a lot. Are you ready? For two shots. Are you ready? Am I ready for what? For, no. Ni- you're going to Nigeria, right? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I mean, I'm the flight's going to be hella long. I'm not ready for that. How long is the flight? Yeah. Long. Like, and with two layovers days? and stuff, no, it's like 19 hours. Mm. But I got, it's like a flight from Philly to Germany is like nine hours. Now I gotta wait for three hours, then take a flight from there to night to the capital city of Nigeria, and then take another flight to another. The capital city. of Nigeria is Lagos or no? No, Abuja. Abuja. But Lagos is a really big uh, popular. Yeah, okay, and that's where you just better know your place too. No, because Lagos has like the whole city within the city. Shit. What do you mean? City Legos, city. like because I guess the um water levels are rising, mm-hmm. so they literally third party a whole like private company is building a city within Legos right now. I actually, mm-hmm. not know that, but that's yeah, literally it, it. It um it actually they drove because there used to be 
homeless people who stayed on the beaches. Right. But they drove them all out. Like, the military, the army, mm-hmm. all of them displaced the people. And now there's, like, a multi-million dollar company building, like, infrastructure to keep the tides from rising. So they, like, built, essentially, like, ground and rocks oh, okay. to raise That's the city up. Right, right, So, because right. the tide, global warming is real, yeah, y'all. They're about to get swept the fuck up, <laughs> y'all. So... <laughs> They built yeah. the city, and, like, it's, um, I guess, people, it's a secret society. They got their own laws, like, literally. Like, I'm about to look this up. I'm telling like, you, the secret city of Legos, please look it up. I'm going to look it up. It's interesting. No, I believe you. And yeah. When I tell you it was, like, blocked off, like, it's coming soon, <laughs> like, 2020 type shit. You see oh, it in the God. distance? Coming oh, to your nearest Walmart. That's crazy. I love foreign policies and yeah. shit like what the hell is going on in it's, india it's and africa it's and bad if you ain't foreign there. you're boring with syria <laughs> Yo, you gotta be <laughs> okay no. let me get into my event oh, yo tell me why i've been depressed lately yeah same oh that's God. real let's get into it yeah <clears throat> okay so i've been um learning about myself lately because i didn't give myself enough time to learn about myself because i'm always jumping into relationships y'all so I had self-realizations and I went to this um, modeling panel workshop or whatever and the lady there, oh, I forget her name and this is bad, but she has her own business and she's an entrepreneur and she was basically talking about how it's okay to pivot and how it's okay to adjust to your surroundings. And I think I'm doing that right now. It's just bouncing back from the pivot, like realizing that one way isn't going to work out and then moving on in another direction with quickness and speed and agility. And it's just that, but sometimes I get depressed. Like today, I didn't want to get out of bed right now, but I had this interview to do. I had to get myself up, and it's just like to the point where it's just like I want to sleep all day, but I can't do that, so I have to make it move. And that's the thing about being somewhat of an entrepreneur, because if you don't have money, you're not. If you're not up, you're not making money, and yeah, it's just it's it's all about it's like that. It's that basically, and I'm just confused. Right. I'm yeah. confused on what's my helping. next step. The weather is not helping. Like, where does the snow? At least yeah, give me why, snow. Yeah, the ground is wet every day. Though it's raining. It's like not <laughs> it's like seasonal depression. Like, fitting the subject. <laughs> but yeah, I just need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I know it's a lot. I feel like you were talking about it earlier, Reese, where you're like, you were in my position when you were younger. Yeah, and I now experienced I'm, it like when I was night, like literally like fresh out of high school i'm like what the fuck is this yeah. fuck is nasty it's nasty i don't want to be here he said i have to feed myself i have to pay yes. insurance what the yes. fuck is this yes. <laughs> literally said who do you think you are and who do you think you are <laughs> and i literally and you know what's crazy what made me really like adapt and really say, like, fuck you, I'm going to go for what I need to go for, Mm -hmm. is because they would throw shit in my face. I hate that. Like, my parents, like, my mom, like, she would be, like, or hold something from me, Mm -hmm. like, oh, if if you don't do this, you can't have this. And I'm like, you know what, fuck that. I'm getting my own car. Fuck that. I'm getting my own insurance. But listen, (laughs) literally, I had to take my life in my own hands and say, like, if I want this liberty, if I want this freedom, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to work for it. Even school. I wanted school more than my parents wanted me to go to school. Mm -hmm. My mom was fine with doing an $80,000 loan that she knew she couldn't fucking pay for Mm -hmm. for me to go send me away to music school. Realistically, I'm like, hell no. Like, I'm going to work 
full time in order to pay for a degree with the numbers that I can physically see. Like I told myself that Mm -hmm. at 18, that transitional period, I grew up broke. We was walking, like walking to bus stops, Mm -hmm. homeless, Mm -hmm. literally. Like we're going to the motel after after I get off of school. I'm at my aunt's house. We're going to the motel. I said, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. Like literally, whatever my parents did, I was like, uh-uh. That's not it. I don't want that. That I don't want to be praying on the floor when the lights are off. Yeah. Looking for faith. I don't want that. Preach. Mm-hmm. I told myself that at a young age, and it's just like when I seen shit fucking, I'll be like, ah, pivot. Pivot, Pivot, adapt, adapt. Literally, you have to adapt that agility. Mm -hmm. You can't lay down. Because when you lay down, shit piles the fuck Fuck up. up. Mm -hmm. You'll have a problem after a problem after another problem. Mm -hmm. And I saw that within my mom. Like, she was going through mental mental issues and, like, stuff that she wasn't completely transparent about. Because, you know, black women have to hold up this standard that they're so fucking strong. And it's like, no, it's actually okay to be weak. It's okay to say you need help. Mm-hmm. It's o- when you're not okay, it's okay to communicate that. Right. Mm-hmm. And she had such an issue with that that by the time she communicated it, everything was fucking gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like how? Right. So you just were lying to me for two years? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you had it together for two years. <laughs> and now you're in shambles, like literally borderline about to kill yourself because you can't hold up this fucking image. Yeah. I think with Domina, when we were talking to her, um, I think it really hit home with me when she was talking about, you have to know that it's going to get better eventually. Even when she was talking about um, deciding whether it was coffee or it was actual food. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key to success as well. You should... Being grateful for being, what you have Being right grateful, now. but know that it's going to get better. Like, your current situation is not your final destination. Exactly. I think that's very important to realize. And that sometimes I forget about that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like... Yeah, I forget about and that. And I told but, you that. And right. I literally, because I told you, I'm going to screenshot what you said mm-hmm. in your text message. I told you. And it's, I want you to see this shit from a is, year from now. Bro. I'm going to get super real with everybody that's listening to the podcast right now. And y'all, um, when I'm, I tell myself, like, I'm very positive with myself. But when I'm at home, there is negative energy around me. Mm-hmm. It's, like, hard. I'm telling myself that I could do it. But, like, if there's people telling me that I can't do it and it's more than one person, then it gets to you. So I feel like I need to leave the environment. But it's like, how do you leave the environment if you don't have enough money? So it's that constant battle with myself saying I can't do it and I can do it and then trying to figure out how I'm going to make the money to do yeah, it. you feel like you're trying to trick I'm, yourself I feel like into I'm, I feel like I'm like, talking yeah. to three people like, yo, yeah, chill out, calm yeah, down. Like, yeah. we got this. Like, I'm going to carry you all on my back. But at the same time, I can't be positive all the time. I'm not always going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And people are um, sometimes going to get to me, i.e. my dad, i.e. my mom, i.e. Uh, some friends that are toxic. So exactly. it's just like maintaining that relationship with yourself, knowing when to back off. And just have some me time and reserve. I'm so big on energy. I think you need to reserve your energy for people that deserve your energy. Sometimes that's hard when you live with the actual person that doesn't deserve your energy. Right. So it's just that. Right. And yeah. I and that's why I was thinking about when she was speaking was when she um, first of all, when she started off by saying she's 42 now, you know, and she was saying that she was homeless, you know, at 18. You know, we're not too far off from 18, 20, 19, whatever. So it's it gives you sort of like hope. That you can look at somebody who's in their forties, and she, like she was saying, she didn't even get to get her undergrad degree until she was thirty. 30. Yeah. And we right now, 
over here gasping for air like we about yeah. to die right now. Like, we all got to dig Right. So it's like, oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah. It's, it's like, it could fucking be worse. Right? Where we, and literally. she said her privilege got her to where she was at. And I'm like, yeah. girl, I'm not that. Right. your privilege will get you, you know, yeah. to get you the, the degree quicker. But that's, like, that's everything. She's honest, yes. That she was real. No, but that's the situation. Everybody's journey is different. Everybody's process is different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from her journey the fact that it took her eight years to do, accomplish that. Like, yeah. what you accomplished yeah. in for. But it's like, yo, there are certain aspects in life that we just have to be grateful for and mm-hmm. just work with what we got to get to where we need to go. And that's, that's, exactly. that's right. what she did. Right, every and day. And I fucking yeah. love that about yes. her. Every go day. off, baby. Yes. that shit, baby. When yes. today, when I was like, going to get the shots yes. or whatever, I had I took the train because I didn't feel like drive. It was raining. I didn't feel like driving the city, or whatever. Plus, it was just tracks terrible over there. So, I was walking and it's cold as shit, raining. And I'm like, damn! I've never I never say thank you. I am so grateful for being able to have a car to drive me to the train station, even having the option to do these things. Mm-hmm. And damn, somebody actually has to sleep out here in this fucking rain, sleep out here in this cold. I would I would perish. <laughs> like that I, would be the end I of couldn't, it. I can't even imagine. No, but I think the key message to take away from this is constantly we ask ourselves, why me? Like, why me? Why is this happening to me? And we need to ask ourselves, when me? So, like, prepare for it and be like, when me? When is it my turn? Like, I'm ready now. When is it my turn? We need to, like, be more positive. Or at least I need to be more positive. I can't be, keep on asking myself, why me? Why me? Why me? Because there's some, like you were saying, and like you were saying, there's people in a way worse situation than I am. Way worse. I love this interview. For real, this I feel like yeah, because when you got in here, I was like, damn. Oh my god, when I got in here, I was, <laughs> I broke down. He I had a mental breakdown. Oh. With the sandwich. With the sandwich. <laughs> the sandwich. I was very yeah. I was very quiet. I'm really like exactly, and I peeped that, but I love these spaces that you know we constantly create these supportive environments with you know the fucking education you know that we got today and you know the motivation that Mm -hmm. we got today the inspiration that we got today to continue going because it's like yo shit ain't always peaches and cream bro right Mm -hmm. shit is not always gonna be great but we gonna ride this wave out to the wheels fall off because we got a purpose we all have a purpose and that's on my fucking period and that's on my fucking period (laughs) don't make me tie my wig in a rubber band (laughs) daddy (laughs) we were gonna have an interview with Domina Franco, and she is a former sex worker and phone sex operator, and she used to be homeless, and now she makes six figures in sales. So I think it was very important for us to share her experience with the world. Okay, let's get started. So today yeah. we are here with Domina Franco, hero yeah. catch your life, and you are a New York City-based sex educator, coach, writer, and consultant. Correct. That so, is correct on all fronts. So I just want to get started on your story and how you started. Yeah, sure. Well, do we want to really roll it back like to the 90s? Let's roll it all the way back. (laughs) Roll it all the way. Also, can we drop it? Like, I swear like a sailor. Can we be? Yes, please. We want to get to know the real you. (laughs) I try to like sometimes clean it up a little when I like lecture to universities. Um. But since this is a podcast, fuck it. Yeah. Um, there we go. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's roll it back all the way to the 90s because I'm 42 years old. Um, so, yeah, in the late 90s, I 
became a phone sex operator. Um, and, you know, at the time I would have said I was a virgin. Now, of course, as a sex educator, I will say I had not yet had my sexual debut because mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I don't believe in virginity. It's mm-hmm. a social construct, yes. uh, yes. uh, which is just a patriarchal bullshit thing that oppresses people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I hadn't had yet my sexual debut, and um, but I became a phone sex operator because I really needed money because I was like broke um and working in a backpackers hostel in California mm. and um so honestly that is where like i was such a naive little babe in the woods like i knew nothing i like made out with some people <laughs> like i knew nothing and um all of a sudden like, i got dropped into this like crazy world um <laughs> and is a trip uh Wow. Yeah, a real trip. The, you know, they sort of call, they would call, like, being a phone sex operator, being a phone bone. So, like, being a phone bone was really interesting because in that particular place, it was actually an office. We didn't work from our homes. We worked yeah. from an office. And um, they were really serious about, like, us actually getting education on what we were talking about, which is kind of cool because it wasn't just like you start off like talking to two pump chumps, which is essentially just like dudes who just like moan and groan and like (laughs) come in two minutes or less. So um, that's who they start you off with when you're really new. Um, Because essentially all you have to do is like say, a few like 10 words and they come right. um, <laughs> but um yeah the owner and the the woman who managed the phone sex operation she like gave us books on kink she t- we had to watch so much porn i watched so much porn um i learned about bdsm i learned about all sorts of different sort of non-normative sex practices. Um, And then eventually I actually had sex (laughs) while I had that job. And um, I will tell you that reading books about sex uh, does not give you the same experience as having sex. (laughs) So um, yeah, my phone calls got a lot better. I will say that for sure. Um, And then of course, you know, that was the late 90s. Then, you know, on and off throughout my life, um, I worked in the sex industry, but, um, it, you know, it really depended on the phase of my life. Um, when the economy crashed in 2008, 2009, um, I was actually an undergrad at the time. And um, I had a regular old vanilla day job working in retail. And all of a sudden I, you know, I had some student loans that were helping me, but I also like all of a sudden lost the money that would pay my bills. And so I thought to myself like, okay, what am I gonna do? Like, how am I gonna pay my bills? I have to be able to still go to class. So I can't just get like a regular day job, like at an office or something. And on an aside, I had also, I was a semi-pro wrestler 
Just yeah. throwing that out there. Yeah, I read that. I was like, I want to ask him something about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just, you know, a little non-interesting fact. Um, so I had become a semi-pro wrestler, and I figured, like, I thought back to my time working in phone sex, and I thought, like, you know what? I bet you that a dungeon would totally hire me just for the fact that I am a semi-pro wrestler and I can like literally like lift men over my shoulder. Like, I bet you they would hire me just for that. And so I reached out to a local dungeon. I was living in New England and it happened to be located in Providence and it's no longer in existence. It, it liquidated, but um, yeah, so I worked at this dungeon, I went in and I was like, hey, I emailed them and was like, hey, so this is my background. Here's some photos of me. I'm a semi-pro wrestler. I know a little bit about BDSM. I'm interested. Are you interested? And I got an email back like the next day and they were like, please come in for an interview. <laughs> like essentially hired me on the spot. Um, so yeah, and then that was a whole other experience, you know, working there. Um, I have a quick question for you. Yeah. So sure. for all the viewers or the listeners that are listening in or are going to listen in on the podcast, can you give them a definition of what kink means to you? Oh, sure. Um, oh, God. Wow. <laughs> um, that is that's actually a really great question. That's a really hard question to, to answer. Um, because as a bdsm lifestyle person but also as a sex educator kink can be like so many different things um and what is kinky to one person is absolutely nothing to another mm. you know so um you know somebody might think choking is really kinky and it is it's breath play and it's it's actually one of the edgier plays but somebody else who like does piercings or uses needles or knife play or you know they might look at choking like that's like vanilla 101 king you know um like like ass slapping you know what i mean like yeah. they're like that's not king um but to like some really vanilla couple in iowa some choking and ass slapping is like spicy town right yeah. so, when maybe to you and i it's just like salt and pepper so um <laughs> Kink to me, kink to me, it's obviously non-normative sex practices. And obviously the listeners can't see that I just did air quotes, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, non-normative sex practices, what the fuck are normative sex practices anyway? Yeah. But um, yeah, non-normative sex practices that tend to sort of fall outside of a heteronormative white um sort of sex negative concept so you know people are into a lot of different things i don't even think i could give a succinct definition of kink because it's so many different things to so many different people yeah, it's a spectrum. Um, and it's even been very many different things to me over the years so um I might have to write you something about that. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you you stumped me right off the jump. There That's you go. Interesting. That's really interesting because you just said that like basically you went through a 
evolution of kink. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, sh- I certainly did because I learned about it in a very academic way at the phone sex place, like literally went through like an, an A to Z dictionary of kinks, mm-hmm. like arborophilia is the kink of trees, right? Like our axiliophilia is people who like to fuck armpits, right? Like, so, you know, like <laughs> some people like there to be a little stubble, some people like it smooth, you know, it's, it's you know. But, um, you know, there's so much out there. Um, and things that I never, I don't even like my blood being taken, right? I can't even at the doctor's office look at someone taking my blood. But somebody in a kink party who I trust wants to put like 40 needles in my back, do it. Mm. Do it. You know? So it's like, yeah, and tie a bunch of string and make it look like a corset. Like, do a whole bunch of wild shit to me. I don't care with that. But don't take my blood at the doctor's office and make me look at it. You know? Yeah. Like, so I think um, for sure it's been an evolution for me. And it continues to be. You know, um, I consider myself a switch, which I don't know if you want me to define things. As yeah, things. I would love it if you did. Yeah? Okay. So, um, cause I don't know how kink aware your folks <laughs> might be who are listening, but, um, so yeah, for me, I'm a switch and to run down the sort of definitions, there's like dominance or doms, right. And then there's submissives or bottoms, right. And, um, so tops or doms, obviously, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Those are people that like to take control in the situation, uh, in a BDSM or kink situation. And bottoms or submissives want to be on the receiving end of that dominance um, or that power exchange. And switches, like myself, were like, I want fucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> I want fucking everything. So, um, so is it basically like a verse? Because I know I'm verse, because I'm gay, so we have tops and yeah. we have bottoms, so I'm verse, I do both. Is it basically like that? It's like that, but and I'm not sure for you, but like, I don't ever believe there's like a 50-50% bisexual person. <laughs> like, um, I am definitely, I'm definitely more dominant oh, okay. than submissive but I love to bottom and there's a difference. So I'm not actually, I'm not submissive. I'm just fucking not like, that's not my, (laughs) couldn't tell, but like, um, I love to bottom. So I love when people like flog me or do the needle play in my back Mm -hmm. or, you know, slut play is so much fun. Right. Like, so that's all well and good, but generally speaking, like as a dominatrix, I've just been dominant so much. I only tend to have the bottomy side of my switchiness show up in my actual real life relationships. Mm. So I'm real into uh, real into toppy butch women and uh, and toppy non-binary people, you know, <laughs> um, for sure. Uh, not so much into the cis men anymore. Did that for a while. <laughs> not right for me Um, but uh yeah so it's kind of interesting i'm exploring my bottom side more now 
than I ever did before. I very much started off as like, like ninety percent dumb. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like hardcore, like yeah, stone cold bitch dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I don't do doms. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you're going to school, and then you pick up this other job because they realize you're a wrestler. Uh, what happens next? Um, well, I become a really good dominatrix pretty quickly, um, which doesn't totally surprise me. Um, but, you know, still learning. I was totally a baby dom and trying to figure things out. And, um, and then I started... Uh, I formatted a workshop wrestling for domination and I started teaching other doms how to wrestle and how to do wrestling sessions. Um, so that's sort of how that ended up morphing. Um, and then honestly, I graduated undergrad and I started working in that vanilla career that I'd been studying for. And, um, you know, and on and off, I was doing dom work and have done dom work up until literally like a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, so I still dom, but I dom in a very sort of curated way. Um, I don't typically have tons of clients. I do like party engagements. And then if I meet people at the parties that want to have sessions, then I work with them. Um, yeah, so that's sort of where I'm at these days. And now my main focus, obviously, is sex education. And so much of that is surrounding kink education. I worked for the National Coalition of Sexual Freedom teaching their uh, programming, which helps people realize the difference between BDSM and abuse. Because a lot, and, and I was teaching um, particularly therapists, social workers, other health service providers, because people go to these folks to get help and they might explain a consensual dominant submissive relationship. And that person who knows nothing about BDSM is like, oh my God, this is abuse. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, actually, it's like one of the healthiest relationships this person probably has ever had. Mm -hmm. Because everything gets negotiated and there's safe words and but you know some people don't know about kink so it was teaching folks about that um and so a lot of my work is around kink and dispelling the stigma you know the stigma and the myths around kink and then also um working uh to support sex workers rights and it's interesting i know you'll probably show this on a different date but today december 17th is actually the international day to and violence against sex workers. Wow. So it's kind of interesting that we're chatting today because yeah. it's a pretty important uh, worldwide day to talk about the violence that sex workers face. Yeah. Wow. How do you manage a relationship? Because I know you were talking about you separate your relationship from the actual um, dominatrix or what mm -hmm. you would do. Um, how do you? How do you? How do you manage? How do I manage like? Having Being been in a, a relationship, relationship. Yeah. Relationships? Yeah. Like an oh, intimate well, my relationship. Current boo is like, she loves it. <laughs> oh, we love that. I, she, I think she actually gets off on the idea of me like, um, 
of me doming people. So, um, and my previous partner, um, they also, I mean, I met them at a kink party, my previous partner. My current partner is really vanilla, actually. Mm. Um, but she's pretty badass. And I, yeah, I think she just likes the idea of me, like, walloping people. But, um, uh, but my previous partner, I actually met at a kink party. And, you know, they were just, they were really cool. And they understood that sex work is work you know um and that it's you know it's a very marginalized population and it's you know and then when you intersect other identities around it like you know sex workers who are disabled or trans sex workers um you know uh people of color black folks who are sex workers mm -hmm. then it's even more intense of a stigma you know, because then there's also this cultural, you know, like, you know, in like biology books, when you had those like anatomy, right. And then there was like the film on top mm -hmm. that would like, it's like that, you know, like, obviously there's, it's pretty easy to be a white, relatively attractive sex worker. It's a whole different fucking story for the rest of people, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I started um, I was homeless when I was like a teenager and I actually started, you know, I started my sex worker career as survival sex work, you know, mm -hmm. um, that was my story. So, you know, in that industry on and off for now it's 20 years, right? A little over 20 years. It's a long damn time, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. What led to your homelessness? Um, my family situation was pretty fucked up. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I should have known I was queer. There was a <laughs> lot of indicators. Um, there were so many indicators. Um, and then yet I stayed with, I even got engaged to a man at one point. Um, uh, yeah, my family are hardcore Republicans. Oh, okay. my dad's a Trump supporter. Oh. Still? Yeah. still. <laughs> I mean, I don't talk to him anymore because it's just too much. Like right. he's, I can't handle it. Like I've tried to have the conversations with him, but clearly he doesn't want to hear that he's like a xenophobic racist, you know? Yeah. They don't so, like to hear um, that. The truth. <laughs> kind of a tough conversation to have, but, um, yeah, he, um, yeah, my dad voted for Trump. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay. You'll make fuck? up for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when did yeah, you realize so you were queer? I, you can imagine, if you want to extrapolate back, um, he wasn't much different back then. He still listened, he listened to Rush Limbaugh. Do y'all know who Rush yeah, Limbaugh is? Dude. Yeah. Yeah, gross. Yeah, yeah, no. um, my <laughs> like had Rush Limbaugh on in the kitchen like <laughs> having tea <laughs> they were a fucking mess and <laughs> even from the jump I was like this just seems so shitty they seem so shitty and mm -hmm. my parents were like you're just a teenager you don't know and I was like I don't know <laughs> I think something's off like I don't mm. think it's just that I'm like 15 and I don't know that much about the world like 
Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Wait. That's why I left. Yeah. So um, I don't think you heard me, but when did you realize you were queer? Like when did, did oh. you come to the self-realization? Late bloomer, late bloomer queerdo me here. Me too. Um, me too. Let me tell you. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, as long as we got there, that's all that matters. Okay. Um, no, uh, you know, <laughs> my ex, my ex would uh, would say like, so how did you not know? Like, how did you not know? You are such a big homo, right? Like, mm. and I was like, I know. Like now, I know I'm such a big homo, but. Um, uh yeah i kissed girls before <laughs> i ever kissed boys you know mm -hmm. and of course my brain was very much on a gender binary you know back in the 80s we didn't talk about the gender spectrum of course trans people existed but in a very suburban very republican family you know um my parents thought being gay was a lifestyle choice, mm -hmm. you know, like they thought it was a fucking choice, mm -hmm. um, which is funny because it's like, well, is heterosexuality a choice? Yeah. Like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for me, it it was odd. There were so many little indicators and I even like had sex, I technically, I guess, had sex with a woman before I had sex with a, with a guy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, but I stayed in a very heteronormative, like, mindset for a long time, because I just thought, like, I think I just thought, like, well, this is just playful stuff. This doesn't mean anything. Like, you know, and not that I have kids or even really want them now at this stage <laughs> of my life. But um, no, I'd like <laughs> my money <laughs> and not have all that responsibility um, and travel and, you know, uh, yeah. So I'm paying my own student loans. I couldn't even afford anybody else's student loans anyway. Um, you know, yeah, I think when I was younger, I just thought like, oh, that stuff is fun and just playful stuff. But then you like find someone, you have a boyfriend, you get married, you have kids, you know, and, um, you know, and I kept dating guys uh, for mo almost all of my 20s and then m almost all of my 30s, all of my 30s, really, um, you know, and like, I would go to orgies and have sex with women there. And I would like, occasionally hook up with a woman here or there but it was never like i'm queer and then i went to grad school um i graduated from widener university with my master's of human sexuality yes i love that so, um yeah that took a long time um but it was interesting because i was engaged to this guy when i first started grad school and uh i went and he kind of said, he said to me, you're going to meet so many new people and your life's going to get so much bigger. And you're, he kind of was like, you're going to like, kind of like leave me in the dust or like forget about me or whatever. I was like, stop it. You know, like, what are you talking about? And then straight up, like within the first like semester of school, I was like, I think I'm fucking queer. <laughs> like, and I, cause I was just surrounded by so many other 
queer people at this point. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to, and we also have to do these things in, um, at Widener and in general, to be a sex educator or a sex therapist, you have to go through things called SARS, which are sexual attitude readjustments. And so what that is, is essentially like, it's much like the phone sex operation. Like they, they make you watch a bunch of porn <laughs> and like watch a bunch of sexual stuff that's kind of non-normative and, um, and process that and write about it. And, um, and then, yeah, so I was in grad school and it was really like probably in the middle of the second year that I broke off the engagement, you know, um, broke off the engagement with that guy. And not just because I was queer, but because he wasn't the right person for me. Um, and then also because I didn't really want to be with cis men anymore, you know, cisgendered men. And um, yeah, and so it's just been a big homo party since. <laughs> All right. you know? Yeah. So I was gonna ask. So um, now that you like teach, you, you're a, such a sex educator, right? Um, yeah. Do you feel like, because you know, people have this notion that like, um, since we're in 2019 and um, we've had like a black president, so they think that racism has evolved, or we've um, there's you know gay people on certain shows that we're past that. Right. Do you think that um, when you're teaching that like people think that same way, like they think that, you know, we're past um, a certain time or, you know, like stigma and stereotypes and people getting killed doesn't happen anymore. Do you think that that's that ha like in your class, people think that way? And what do you think about that in just in general? Yes. <laughs> think racism isn't really happening as right. much mm -hmm. more. And you're like, um, it totally is. Um, yeah. And I mean, full disclosure, I'm white and I'm like the whitest fucking white ever because I did my 23 in me. Like, uh. I'm literally the white devil. Like, I'm like the colonizer. But um, it's, it's true. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, people do still think people do think like, oh, we had Obama, right? Like, we're cool. No, yeah. we're fucking yeah. not. Like, not we're not cool at all. Like, and no matter how much work I do as a white person, I'm still gonna have racist shit in my head because I was raised with it and we live in a white supremacist society. Mm -hmm. So like, the only thing I can do is read and listen to people who are different than myself, listen to their experiences, hand over the fucking microphone mm -hmm. when I can, hand over power when I can. Like, that's the only thing I can do, you know? And obviously like signal boost people, you know? And I'm lucky to, you know, there's another Widener graduate, Erica Hart, who mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're following. Do you follow yeah, that? Yeah, I do I actually do follow her. Yeah. Yeah. Erica is badass. Mm -hmm. Um, both them and their partner Ed mm -hmm. are both so fantastic and their Instagram is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, yeah. And then of course there's black girl manifest. Like what I do essentially is like, I don't try to, I don't, I, I stay in my own lane. I don't try to talk about that stuff aside from to tell people other white people, I do try to collect my people <laughs> and um, and like say to them, like, 
what you just said was like I had to just at a company dinner mm-hmm. tell my tell my boss's boss they said something transphobic mm. at the actual company dinner. And I had to delicately yeah. delicately yeah. around this white person mm-hmm. and tell them what they said was transphobic without them getting all offended. Defend, defensive, right? Yeah. Right. Which they're, of course they did. But, um, <laughs> like, so fragile. <laughs> 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 You just like you can't tell white people that they're racist because they'll be like, no, I'm a, I'm a good white. Um, I'm a good white. <laughs> and uh, like also your people can't see me like shaking my head here. <laughs> so, yeah, we are completely still racist. Uh, I don't think you need a white person telling you that, but like right. I'm sure you fucking experience it in your life. Right. Um, but we also are not in any kind of like really sex positive place. Right. Like, yes. positivity might be something that people, some people might know about. But the truth is, is that we in America, in the in the United States, rather, let me say, in the United States, of, in North America, we live in we hello the puritans were a bunch of pricks right yeah, like and they and like shit. they literally like hello salem witch trials they just didn't like those women mm-hmm. like they were far too fucking free mm-hmm. and so they had to burn their asses like mm-hmm. so you know and then we could talk about the over sexualization of black bodies especially mm-hmm. yes. black women, women. Yep. right like so but amongst all of this shit in our history in america we still have this very puritanical nature right and so you know as a sex educator even just being a sex educator i've had my instagram account i just saw that the the post that got removed from Oh, you know, yeah. you said someone suing the MTA over the post. Or, or shadow banning people. And yeah. Oh, I think, oh, I don't, well, first of all, I don't know how it happened, but today I got like 50 followers. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but that's irregular because I have been shadow banned for like the last six to 10 months. Yeah. So I used to get like a bunch of followers every day. And now maybe I get like 20 a month. Yeah, serious. Like it's nothing. Bad. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I've been shadow banned for a while, whatever. That must mean I'm doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely posting content that Instagram loves to take down. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, and there's another great um, educator named Ashley Chubby Bunny. Do we, do any of you know her? Sounds familiar. Okay. She is also a badass. Um, black woman. Um, I don't know if she would call herself fat, but I used to be fat, whatever fucking body shit is crazy. Um, but so she talks a lot about body image and also as its intersection with blackness and like, she gets photos, which are gorgeous, like nude photos of herself, like, you know, where her nipples aren't showing because god forbid like instagram see a female nipple right (laughs) or like a non-male nipple um 
they get taken down while photos of like normative size or very thin with doing literally almost the exact same pose get like hundreds and thousands of likes because that body is quote unquote socially acceptable that body you know that white body or that thin body that able body Mm. um that gets kept up you know um and even some more scandalous photos of those more you know white supremacist eurocentric beauty standards Mm, get kept up while other people who aren't eurocentric in their beauty and who aren't fucking skinny Mm -hmm. right their photos get taken down so you know do not live in a sex positive environment. Mm-hmm. I literally do a sponsored ad on Facebook or Instagram because they Facebook will allow politicians to outright lie. Exactly. Those ads um, that say nasty, incorrect, invalid shit, right. but they won't let a sex educator who actually has medically accurate, like, comprehensive caring information went to school for it your life Mm -hmm. they won't let us have sponsored ads because god forbid we're gonna like you know make the run riot or something i'll just start fucking in the park i have no idea all at once it's an infestation (laughs) of fucking i don't know what they think sex educators are gonna do um, yeah they're so afraid but I can definitely um, resonate with, you know, the fact that um, sex, you know, being comfortable in your sexuality, like, it's not socially acceptable. So, like, what would you say to someone who wants to, you know, explore the things that are, you know, non-normative? Like, how would mm-hmm. how would somebody go about that if they're new or, you know, hesitant or, you know, they're Are curious? you asking for a right, where do you find an orgy? <laughs> yeah, <I'm> asking- <laughs> <laughs> shit are you in? <laughs> How do I have to hook you up? Yeah. Um, what should I bring? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I think, you know, first of all, if you can imagine that people are doing something, they are fucking doing it. Right. You just have to find your people. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, there are there are websites like FetLife for people who want to explore different types of kink. You can set up a profile there and literally you don't have to put up a picture of yourself. You don't you know, you can just like make it kind of anonymous and just explore things and see what's happening in your local area. Um, wow. There are things called munches. Um, have you heard of munches? I've heard of life, no. not munches. <laughs> What's munches? Wait, what was that? No, I said I heard of fet life, not munches. <laughs> okay, so a munch for all the listeners um, is essentially just a social gathering for kinky folks, and it's not a sexual thing. It's not a play party. It's literally usually them getting together at like a fucking Panera Bread or something, <laughs> right? Okay. And like okay. um, just regular street clothes and just having some food or some coffee or whatever. And like, because they all have this common theme of like being interested in this thing or all being part of the King community in a certain place. Um, 
and that's harder for folks who are in more sort of suburban or rural environments. Gotcha. It's, um, you know, I feel like I'm so incredibly lucky because I literally live in like the epicenter of like freakdom, mm -hmm. which is like New York, yeah, City. New York City. Like literally any, a Tuesday, you could go to paddles, you know, <laughs> and find a guy who wants to be a human carpet and step all over him. Oh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you do whatever you want, easy? you know? <laughs> Trust me, like I said, there are, if there are, if you've thought about it, there are people for you. Like, <laughs> there are people for you. Um, so I think, yeah, doing the FetLife thing, seeing if you can start to connect with people online about it, um, seeing if there's anything happening in your local area. I know that that might be harder for folks who live further outside of urban environments because mm -hmm. um, it's just a lot easier to find this stuff, like in a city, you know. Um, not to say that there aren't some freaky ass parties and things going on out in the country and in the woods. Cause right. there are, I've been to some of them. Um, but uh, I think that would be my first suggestion. The next one would be, again, this would be you being able to access these classes, but there's a lot of workshops that happen. Like if you wanted to learn about Shibari, like rope bondage, you can go to um, there's a great place in New York called Purple Passion that has a lot of workshops. Um, and then there's other, you know, feminist sex toy shops all over the country um, that host workshops. And you just want to make sure that they're being taught by people who really know their shit, you know, like, but you can always meet people at events like that as well. Um, and then, of course, like, there's difference that's really like kink, but if you want to meet people who are polyamorous, right? Um, you have to go to those groups. And, and there's, there's definitely polyamorous groups in New York that just have like cocktail hours where people can like socialize and mingle. Um, and then, you know, there's also stuff for swingers and those are generally more like sex parties. And that's not really polyamory. That's uh, just more, the action where polyamory they might want to actually be dating different folks and like ethical non-monogamy where they're not necessarily just having sex as a partner like as a partnership you know um i think looking online and building community that way and then transferring it into real life when you have the opportunity when you've like chatted to somebody for a while gotcha. I guess. Gotcha. so I also did some uh, creeping on your Instagram. I got to know you like very well, and oh I, really? You know, yeah. just a little something, something. You know so the the you know the in, going on the dating websites and swiping oh, through exactly okay. like seeing all the cis men being you know unwantedly you know thrown at you when you're like trying to find you know the next shorty. It's like, yes. <laughs> excuse me, you're you're intruding my space. Mm -hmm. So oh, with that, with that being said, would you recommend exploring like through an app like that? Like so, like let's say you found a, you know, because you I also heard you say that it's like you build the relationship with someone and then you know or or like would you go that route with Tinder or plenty of uh, fish? Now is that just to date or is that to do like some freaky shit? What is the, that? The freaky shit. The freaky shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think you could. I If I were you, I would build a profile for OkCupid or Tinder or whatever and just make it specifically like about that freaky shit you're into and be like, yeah, this is what it is. Like, this is what I want. Boop, boop. <laughs> this and is like, this for my point. friend, too. Like an application. <laughs> this is for my friend, remember? I'm gonna relay all this info that you know. Um, this we're all friends here. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think I would make a profile just for that. Like, sure, okay. Like, you might want to have a vanilla profile that maybe still says like you know kinky like open to kink or something right you could have that in your regular profile but if you want something that's very specific you're like i'm into golden showers i'd love for you to piss on me like then you know maybe you create a whole separate um you know a whole separate profile for for that you know makes sense what do you mean when you say vanilla because you've been saying oh so vanilla okay and um so vanilla just tends to indicate folks who just like good old sex, right? And they don't really want to integrate any kink stuff into it. And, you know, I will say that there's a lot of kink people, which ironically, they vanilla shame people, which I think is really kind of hilarious because it's like kinky people face so much shame and stigma or they have historically faced so much shame and stigma um, that for them to make fun of people for just enjoying like good old fashioned boning, like kind of twists my head up. I'm just like, <laughs> I, like I said to you, I'm with someone right now who's, who's very vanilla and the sex is banging. It's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the sex is so fantastic. So, um, you know, it's, uh, and I mean, I'm ethically non-monogamous. I, I'm actually dating two people right now, but, um, and one is actually not vanilla and one is, but, um, you know, yeah, just because somebody's not kinky doesn't mean they're not going to be like fucking amazing in bed, you know, but if you, you know, if you want something very specific, I think there's nothing more frustrating and sort of more sad than, having a sexual desire, which is perfectly healthy, um, you know, and any sexual desire that doesn't hurt somebody, you know, and that's between consenting adults and everybody knows what's going on and they're happy to do it and they're well-informed, then that's fine. Like, it's perfectly fine. Um, I think there's nothing more sad than people who have a sexual desire or a fantasy um, or just a sexual need that they don't get fulfilled because of society or because of, you know, messaging that they've received in their upbringing or, or, you know, from their peers that, you know, there's something sick or wrong or gross about them. I don't know, wanting to sit on cakes and then like worship people's feet. Like who knows what they want to do, you know, but but like, go ahead, sit on cakes, worship people's feet, like do what you want to do. You know, life is yeah. yeah. I definitely feel that. So what do you feel about the um the P? Like people want to add the P to the LGBTQIAA25, I think it is now. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I think two. Hold back. 
They want to add a what? They want to add a P, like pedophilia. That was like up for discussion. Yeah. <laughs> I feel a big fucking. I used to be a cheerleader in middle school, and that's actually we would do this like to start our cheers, but just a big no. Um, first of all, fuck no. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say. I know that there are people who have pedophilic uh, tendencies, and they know it's not right. And maybe they've acted on them. Maybe they haven't acted on them, right? Um, they're harming children. Yeah. So fuck them yeah. is right. essentially how I feel about that. Um, or fuck them. No. Frozen. Fuck what? <laughs> what are we fucking? Are we fucking together or fucking separate? <laughs> I'm gonna end it and call her back. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh we came back. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm lost. Oh, um, it's my. I, I hear what you were saying. Oh. About. About the pedophilia stuff. Oh, I was asking you how you felt about them, because um, there was an article that I was reading about it that said that they might add it. That was just my question. <laughs> I wish, I wish people could see my face right now. I wish yeah. people could just stop. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, no. <laughs> first of all, if we look back to like, okay, let's oh, <laughs> let's roll back the history books and talk about Proposition Six. Do you all know about Proposition Six? No, no. He's filming in. Yeah, please okay, teach me. Let's go into it. So, <laughs> Proposition Six was this like law that they were trying to pass in the 70s and essentially also i don't know if you know about like homosexuality was actually considered a fucking mental disorder oh, before yes, the 73 yeah. right mm -hmm. like right. when it got taken out of the diagnostic manual mm -hmm. for right. psychology yeah. and um so in the dsm before 1973 or 74 um yeah being homosexual right or being queer was considered mentally like a dysfunction um and then finally they got some sense and realized that that was sexual orientation and was a perfectly normal um you know ver variation biologically speaking amongst people right um but proposition six was this thing where they were trying to pass this law that homosexual or queer folks couldn't teach in schools mm. and yeah <laughs> and um they couldn't teach in schools they could be fired if they were found out to be gay or queer and actually that even heterosexual people of the time if they even sort of supported homosexuality or said anything like supportive of a teacher that maybe was being questioned, their sexual orientation was being questioned, they could be fired. Oh, wow. For just supporting an LGBTQ person. Um, and so what's interesting is that that ended up actually not passing into law because tons of lgbtq activists obviously rallied and like went out to all these different places um and sort of 
spoke to folks everywhere. Yeah, so the whole kind of premise of it was that like they didn't want homosexuals like influencing youth, right? Mm -hmm. um, and essentially also a main point of that was that they sort of conflated homosexuality or queerness with pedophilia. Um, and <laughs> which is why I don't like, I'm like, come on now. What I also, please send me that article. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they, you know, back in the day they did, they conflated it. They sort of just like assumed because they didn't know anything about LGBTQ folks really. And they just were like, oh yeah, we can't have them around our kids, you know? And there was this concept that, you know, gay people were pedophilic. And so, you know, and we know that that's just not, that's simply not the case, you know, like yeah. at least not statistically speaking, like it's not the case. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's a very dangerous thing to put a paraphilic behavior, um, which has nothing to do with sexual orientation, by the way. Right. <laughs> that's like being like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I it doesn't make any sense to me because it has actually nothing to do with orientation, with a sexual orientation, which is what LGBTQIA is. Mm -hmm. Intersex folks, asexual folks, you know, those things are about gender and identity they are not necessarily about one paraphilic type of behavior so you know when i no this all makes me very angry <laughs> <laughs> i just said that i suppose instead of like going off yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Funny. so i have a question about sex working i know the government is trying to stop it and i think the only place that it is legal is in vegas las vegas there's about, um, I think it's 11 counties around Nevada, in Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think that the government should be doing to help them instead of enable, I mean, not enabling them, hurt them? Yeah. Well, um, the truth is, is that uh, here we get into a big discussion mm -hmm. about what sex workers actually need, what a bunch of civilians fucking think that sex workers need, right? Right. <laughs> like, um, and then, of course, what the government wants to do. Um, and right now, sex work in general is illegal throughout the country, except for these 11 count, 11 or so counties in Nevada. Um, and there it's just legalized. So what that means is it's actually controlled by the government. People are registered. So their names are like... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, not illogical. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. No. And also, there's a whole bunch of other restrictions that go on these people who work in these areas in Nevada. Like, they have to live in certain places. They, you know, their testing status, if they, um, you know, there's, there's so much that happens around legalization. Um, and it also, what it does, it's incredibly classist as right, well, right. because... <laughs> What it does is it also says, like, you have to have a license to be able to do this. Well, what if you are a sex worker, but you can't afford to get annual licensing, right? right? Like, what if you can't afford to do the things that the bureaucracy or that the government wants you to do? 
to be a legal sex worker, right? And this is only, I mean, that's only in Nevada. I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is the Nordic Nordic model, right? Or the Swedish model where it's not illegal for the person selling to sell, but it's illegal for the person purchasing to purchase. So either way, mm-hmm. they can you. Yeah. Because like, like Yes, okay, the sex worker can't get arrested, but you've eventually, you've really just cut off their income stream, mm-hmm. their clients incredibly nervous. And then what you've actually done is now, because their clients have to take more of a risk to get the service, they ask for services that the, the sex worker normally wouldn't give, mm-hmm. right? So they might want to have unprotected sex, mm-hmm. right? anal when that sex worker maybe doesn't want to do anal but the sex worker's like it's the fucking 31st like rent's due tomorrow like what am i going to choose to do right um if we get real about like capitalism and the whole nature of it um sex workers you will hear and you will hear sex workers rights advocates and sex workers themselves say that they want decriminalization and decriminalization essentially is just saying that it's not a fucking crime. Right. And that's it. Like, and, um, you know, it's just, it's still a mess because like, I just see we're so far away from decriminalization. It's like almost laughable. Like, I'm pretty sure I'll be dead before decriminalization occurs, you know? but I fight for it anyway, you know? Um, and I know a lot of amazing people in New York and across the country and actually across the world that are, you know, uh, SWAP is great, Sex Workers Outreach Project. Um, you know, there's a lot of international coalitions that are working on sex workers' rights and human rights, Amnesty International, and if Amnesty International can say sex work is work, right. and sex workers deserve human rights, yeah. like you think that like the rest of the world could get on that. But like, yeah, so I, and also oh, let's talk something else about the patriarchy and white supremacy. Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's bring it about that too. Um, it's, let's talk about the fact that there is actually other legal sex work in North America. And let's think about what that is. That's porn. And that is strip clubs, right? right? Mm -hmm. And that is camming. And systemically, those things are owned by cis white men. Mm -hmm. So almost all of them, right? Now, of course, there's tons of strip clubs that you know, aren't owned by cis white men, but, um, there, a lot of it is owned by men and a lot of it is owned by white people. Right. So when you look at that and those, you know, groups of people being some of the people that have the most social capital, the most power under a white supremacist kind of government Mm -hmm. and world, um, isn't that interesting? Right. Hmm. Like, porn is completely legal, and it's a huge business that makes tons of fucking money. And strip clubs make tons of fucking money. And the dancers 
um, you know, don't get benefits mm -hmm. that like clubs could easily afford or porn directors could easily, oh, not all porn directors, there's a lot of independent porn directors, like feminist porn directors, like pink and white productions and, um, you know, uh, four chambers, those are great. And they are smaller outfits. And I understand why they can't provide like benefits to people, but they provide ethical environments to people, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so there's a difference there between like that and someone getting hired by a huge porn company that makes millions of dollars and yet can't give its workers some form right. of benefits, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny how those things are legal because those things are run by men. Exactly. But the independent sex worker can't run herself. The person working on the street, the person working in a, in a house is a criminal. Right. Because God forbid anybody, God forbid anybody other than white men, men make money, especially white men. Right. That's crazy. That... What I love is they cannot fucking handle the fact that they want us. <laughs> like, they can't handle how much they want us, and it scares them how much they want us. And when I say us, I it means everybody. Like, you know all different genders, all different sizes, all different colors of people, right? Like men are terrified of the fact that that non-men people have so much inherent like erotic power mm -hmm. that they have to try to squash it because they can't, if, if they let it be what it was, I think they're afraid that they would just lose complete control over everything in their lives. Right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, wow, that lot. was deep. I think it, I, I really think it just comes down to the fact they just want they rather us die than to <laughs> they rather us die than to have because even if first of all if they don't decrim, if they don't decriminalize it people are still gonna do it yeah. so why don't you just give me the benefits so I can survive while doing this but people no. <laughs> sex work is as literally as old as time right um, literally <laughs> that. Yeah. Also, I, I really do also wish people, because I just did something that I do with my best friend since I was <laughs> a trumpet. Like, when we're saying something that is the truth, we're like, boop, boop. Yeah. Like, um, so that was my trumpet. Uh, but, um, yeah, like, sex work is literally as old as time. Ancient Mesopotamia, okay? Mm. Like, the fertile fucking crescent in Africa, there are temple priestesses who are literally like the king doesn't get to be a king till he has sex with the temple priestess. Mm -hmm. She is the one who bequeaths him the power. Right. Like, so the, the idea that their sad little criminalization is going to change anything is hilarious, except that it is incredibly dangerous now, FOSTA, SESTA, um, which are the um, the sex trafficking, like, 
laws that came into play about is it a year and a half ago now, mm -hmm. two years almost. Mm -hmm. um, I'm forgetting the exact date, but um, they're trying everything in their possible power. By the way, those bills, people who don't know anything about sex work um, will think that those bills were made to try to fight sex trafficking. However, all they've done is actually push sex, sex trafficking further underground. Um, because they were trying to fight like things like they thought all these sex trafficking rings were going on through like Craigslist and Backpage, which were all these online forums where sex workers would essentially go to um, advertise service. And so now any website that's essentially like sort of co-signing sex work advertisements um, can be fined and shut down. So oh, wow. you like you probably noticed Craigslist, like the like the connect like the connections for being able to have like casual sex on Craigslist gone gone because wow. of this. Um, and Backpage shut down because of this. Um, and all it's really done is it's made it really hard for sex workers to vet their clients like they used to, right? And um, and it's just pushed sex trafficking rings further underground when literally they could have actually mobilized the sex worker population who, by the way, also don't want sex trafficking to occur. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they could have actually asked sex workers, how do we get rid of traffickers? But they didn't bother to ask sex workers who actually are closest to it, like, yeah. and who can tell them the most about it. Like, so um, all of that is ridiculous. And it goes back to this whole idea of like, this hope for decriminalization, but we get proven every day that like, they don't care that we're marginalized. Like you had just said, people are dying. Mm -hmm. Black trans women are dying. are dying every fucking day. Yeah. And not that all of them are sex workers, but a lot of LGBTQ youth and a lot of black trans femmes do sex work right. because they live in a society that doesn't want to fucking give them a break. Right? 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 Yeah, and literally. they literally doesn't want to give them a fucking break. And like, doesn't make it easy for them to try to have any kind of sense of equity or make it out or like by the way also i i know i'm ran i like <laughs> i'm ranting but it's because i like i'm so serious about this stuff also if we think about it i love when people are like oh sex work is so oppressive you're so oppressed and like blah 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 I was more oppressed folding sweaters at Banana Republic during Christmas. Right. Okay? Right. For minimum wage. Fucking an hour. Okay? I was more oppressed doing that than I ever fucking was. You any of the sex work I ever fucking did. <laughs> Are you getting paid two hundred to six hundred dollars an hour? Right. Yes. 
to do this thing versus $15 an hour to keep folding piles of sweaters at Banana Republic like I'm in the cir sixth like circle of hell. Like, <laughs> I can't go to a Banana Republic during Christmas anymore because I just like look at the piles of sweaters like and <laughs> I don't want to lose my mind, you know? So yeah, I'm way more pressed in all of the retail jobs I ever did than I ever was in sex. And also the, oh, you sell your body. You're selling your body. No, you're not. You're selling some time to someone. You're selling a service, an entertainment, um, you know, for folks who are dancers, you know, they're not necessarily selling a sexual service like a full service worker is, but they're selling time. They're selling a fantasy, right? Um, selling their sweat, right? Like, um, but what about fucking coal miners? What about them? What about their bodies? Like, mm. are yeah. they not also like, what about all the construction workers who are working out in the freezing fucking cold, right? Who are maybe with the union, right? Time and a half, what's, maybe what's time and a half? Maybe they're making 60, yeah. 70 an hour, mm -hmm. right? Which is not bad for sure, yeah. but they have a union, right? But they're still fucking outside in the freezing cold, yeah. right? Are they not oppressed, but the sex worker is oppressed? Like, mm. no, this is just more bullshit, like alternative facts that like white supremacist, sex negative people want to like, want to try to expound you know like it's absolute garbage mm. propaganda it's serious propaganda like they, can't, they cannot possibly let sex workers just like fucking breathe and be like i really think they just think that all of society would just like crumble into fucking anarchy or something yeah. what are um, some like tips or tri tricks you would give like sex workers like new sex workers for like help in regards to safety. Safety, Because I yeah. know you were talking about Backpage and you were talking about Craigslist and mm -hmm. it's kind of risky if you're a beginner sex worker, if you want to say. For sure. Um, I actually, there is a post on my Instagram. Uh, there's a person called Lindsay Dye um, and she is amazing. She actually uh, created a whole thing about like how to stay safe in this FOSTA-SESTA time period. And like, especially on online platforms, and a lot of sex workers are actually changing their gender to male mm. on their like social media platforms. Because the, and once they've done it, they have like not had their accounts frozen. Mm. That will tell you something. But um, so it's not that like, obviously their account still looks like them, still has their name associated to it, but just in the like about um, like the settings with the social media platform, it's set as a he instead of a she. Wow. And they get less, they get less bad traffic that way. But um, yeah, there's, I think, 
folks have to be so careful. Um, I don't, I don't know that I have so much useful to say, mm-hmm. um, aside from to talk about Lin- what Lindsay had written, okay. you know, um, and just in general to like, I would suggest to anyone who is in sex work and is perhaps quite new in sex work um, to get on things like red light reader and like swap, you know, um, and you can look through all of those on Instagram and look up hashtags and just honestly connecting with other sex workers. And that's how now sex workers have been making sure that they're not seeing abusive clients. Now there has to be more whisper campaigns. So they have to share with each other, like, you know, say they're from the Detroit area or they're from Boston or New York, wherever, Um, you know, they have to be like, oh, this guy has been going between Boston and New York. I'm thinking of a particular situation here. This abusive, shitty guy who's working with full service workers um, was going between Boston, Philly and New York. And he was um, raping Hmm. sex workers. And so they ended up having to sort of like, and it's kind of badass in its own way, because sex workers, we will just like, you can't fucking stop us. You know what I mean? Like, like, I love that they think you can stop a hustler. Like you cannot (laughs) stop a hustler. We will just find a different fucking way to hustle. Like, so instead of being able to do it on the online platforms like they used to now there's more of this like um information sharing happening um and uh and it has to be you know it has to be done really smartly and really kind of quietly so unfortunately there's still a lot of sex workers that are unsafe um especially if they don't have access to all of those things you know or they're not set up on those platforms um, and now too, I think, oh, another thing, um, receiving payment, um, if you receive payment electronically, as well as through cash, make sure that whoever's sending you the money doesn't put anything fucking suspicious in the notes, like of what they're giving you. Right. Um, because even certain words, like on Craigslist, they used to say roses for like dollars, right? So like, um, like you can't say like 200 roses, right? Because that, I think now they can, they can pinpoint. Um, there's been different sex workers and sex worker activists who've had their, their PayPal's and their Venmo's frozen. Oh my God. Playing with that. I'm sorry, what was that? They're playing with their money, like... Playing with their fucking money, <laughs> exactly. Like, and like, no, just absolutely not. So like, yeah, I think the best thing... Oh, and if you do use ele- electronic, uh, you know, if you get paid electronically through PayPal or Venmo or whatever, transfer the money fucking immediately. Right. To your bank account immediately. Like, uh, even if you have to pay a fee don't let it sit in there. Like I, I know a sex worker 
and she had like two grand in her PayPal and she just didn't think about it and had, you know, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't using it right away. She was getting cash as well from people and her account got flagged and her money got fucking frozen. Mm. So, um, and I know that there's a lot of stuff that sex workers are facing, um, discrimination at all sorts of online platforms for transactions, you know? So get cash if you can, but if you can't get cash, transfer that money fucking ASAP. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have one more question for you and then I'm going to wrap it up. So you said in the beginning, like starting off, I think when you were 18, you said you were homeless and to now you have six figures, you're making six figures. So what's your secret? How'd you keep saying (laughs) What is your secret? What is my secret to... Um, to keeping sane mentally, physically? Because I know in between there had to be some breakdowns. Fucking two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I completely had a breakdown. Um, yeah, you know, it's been a long fucking road. Um, I'm in sales and... I have the side hustle of my sex education practice and coaching. Um, uh, and like, I have student loans coming for <laughs> repayment soon. Like, so, you know, what is really sad is I thought, I remember, I remember being homeless and thinking to myself, one day I'm going to be able like sometimes it would be a choice between like eating or drinking something warm because I was homeless in Boston in the winter. Mm-hmm. It was like not cute. Yeah. Um, and I would oftentimes choose coffee because I'd be like, I'm fucking freezing. Like I'd much rather just have coffee than just food, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would buy cups of coffee and I remember thinking to myself one day, I was actually just telling a friend this story. Um, I walked past this restaurant called Cleo. I'm not sure if it's still there, but anyway, it's, um, it's on Mass Ave in Boston or it was, and, um, and it's like this fancy French restaurant. And I was walking by the window where you could see all the pastry chefs, like making the desserts. And I thought to myself, fucking fuck, like (laughs) those desserts probably cost like 15 bucks. And like, I could eat for like three days on 15 bucks, like, or more, you know? And, um, and I had a cup of coffee at the time and I was really grateful for that because it was so cold. And I just thought to myself, you know what? Like one day I'm not, it's not going to be about scraping together some money to get a cup of coffee. Like I'm going to be able to get a cup of coffee whenever I want. And I'm going to be eating every day, you know? And Um, and I'm even as a homeless teen, I still had so much privilege and that is really, honestly, my privilege is a massive, um, reason for my success. You know, I, I, I did work hard, you know, um, it took me until I was in my thirties to graduate undergrad. It took me eight years to get through undergrad because I was like working part time, working like going there full time, like working two jobs, like all this crazy shit. And then 
but my privilege is really it's what ended up getting me sort of my first job that landed me with a place to live, you know? Um, and maybe I would have gotten the job otherwise, but I certainly got it because I was white and I had a little bit of hospitality experience. Like I'd worked in a hotel before. So I got this job at this backpackers hostel. And that's where I lived. And, um, and then everything accumulated from there. And there was a lot of hard work, but I think privilege is a massive part of it. Now, mm. how I sane, like, first of all, you assume I'm sane, mm. <laughs> which like, that's nice. Um, uh, I go to therapy, um, you know, uh, I, it's not hard for me to be incredibly grateful. It's really not. Um, because, yeah, I fucking spent $5 on coffee today before I got home. You know, like I just went to a fancy schmancy fucking coffee shop and got a latte. And like, you know, the 17, 18 year old me couldn't do that, you know? Um, so it's not hard for me to be grateful. And so therefore it's really not hard for me to be sane, you know, in that way. Um, because I have like, I have a really comfortable bed, you know, I have a clean apartment I have money for groceries. Um, the fact that I got through grad school, like fucking amazes me. Like, you know, I'm very lucky. You know, I think, I think a huge amount of it is privilege and luck. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank yeah. you for coming on Catch Your Life. I appreciate yeah. you. Whenever I have questions about thank sex, I'm coming asking. to you. I'm sorry, what was that? I said whenever I have questions about sex education, I'm coming to you. You should, absolutely. <laughs> um, folks should follow me and feel free to ask. I do, like you probably know, I do a Q&A Monday. So, yes. okay. Monday. We're going to tune in. <laughs> I'm going to have to tune in. It's Tuesday, so I missed it yesterday. <laughs> did miss it but it happens every week so you know um yeah feel free to tell people my instagram and then um they can certainly follow me and ask questions i do that for free every week because i think not everybody can afford sex therapy and not everybody can afford um or has had access to sex education and medically accurate and sex positive sex education mm. so you need it yeah, so true. Okay, final <laughs> words, final words. Any um, final words? I just wanted to branch off of something that Reese said. I think she, she was saying, like, don't let, um, like, when you feel like everything's on your back or whatever, keep, you know, find a way to, uh, you know, adapt, move around it. Don't just lay there. Don't lay there. Don't lay there and, you know, crumble because it's, and it's, it's, hard, it's easy to say, hard to do, but, you know, always find that motivation to keep going because if you lay there, it's not going to get no better. It's going to Period. Avalanche it. <laughs> <laughs> what would mine be? Um, my final words are keep going. And after this interview, um, what else? Know that it's always going to get better. Even if you don't think it's going to get better, even if it doesn't get better, just have that mindset of thinking that it will get better. Because it will get better. You're just being a little bitch right now. Mm. 
acting. You're acting childish. This is temporary. This babe. is temporary, baby. It's the B and D. It's not permanent. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. And I feel like these moments in our life give us character and really make us appreciate it at the end. Like exactly. wow, I started from here. I built my way up, and now I'm from here. Here. Right. Bruh, exactly. But like, that's I can't all I got. Wait. That's all I got. I can't wait till I you look back it, and be like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yo, like, some of yo, like, you peasant. Like, bye. This is like, ghetto. <laughs> for real, like, all of that is ghetto. I can't believe I used to. I cried over you. Wow. I've grown. I've grown. Those tears were ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> What's your final words, Reese? <sighs> my final words. Yo, don't. Don't I just don't want people to waste their time. I really want people to just believe in themselves more and just understand like it's it shit just fucking sucks, man. Shit fucking sucks sometimes, but you can you can get back from it and you can utilize, you know, that experience. You can learn from these lessons. You can you can hit it again. There's tomorrow. There's always another day, yo. So wake up, get to it. Don't waste your time. That's it. All right, until next time, we'll see you later, guys. Deuces. Toodles.